From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, January 6, 2022. Coming up this hour. The sell-off continues overseas after the Fed makes a hawkish shift on policy. Bitcoin continues its slide to trade at the lowest level since December's flash crash. CDC advisors issue new guidance on COVID booster shots for teens. And the pandemic has hospitals facing their worst staffing shortage in a year. New York City's health commissioner suggests the city hasn't yet hit its COVID peak. Plus, it's the one-year anniversary of the Capitol Riot. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer and Sports. Kyrie Irving made his season debut. Led the Nets to a come from behind win at Indiana. St. John's won its Biggie's opener. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. In U.S. stock index futures are little change this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are little change. So are Dow futures. NASDAQ futures are lower, down 35. The 10-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds, yield 1.72%. Yield on the two-year, 0.85%. And NYMEX crude oil is up three-tenths of a percent. Nathan. Well, Karen, let's look at yesterday's sell-off on Wall Street, which saw the NASDAQ drop 33 The decline came after the Federal Reserve signaled a more aggressive timeline for interest rate hikes. Brian Levitt is a global strategist at Invesco. This is the early stages of a tightening cycle. And as we know, it's usually not the first rate hike that matters. It's usually the last one. And and even though we're we're dealing with this today, as we often do uh, when we start to see signs for the first move, I still think we're a long ways away from that last rate hike that ends the cycle. Invesco global strategist Brian Levitt says he sees this sell-off as a buying opportunity. Ten-year Treasury yields this morning are trading at their highest level since April. And Nathan, the tech sell-off continued in Asia overnight. Japan led the declines as the Nikkei slid 2.8 percent. Let's get the details from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index fell for a third session in four with a gauge of tech shares among the worst performing. The Hang Seng Tech Index fell for a fourth day. Yield spiked with Japan's tenure at its highest since April. Japanese equities suffered their worst day since June, while Australia's market had its worst day in 11 months. And Hong Kong reopening stocks were hit as the city imposed tighter restrictions for the first time in almost a year. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. We're also watching Bitcoin traded its lowest level since December's flash crash. Right now it's at $42,640. Let's get the latest from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita. 
Nathan, the Fed's hawkish tilt saw Bitcoin fall by about $3,500. Other cryptos like Ether and Binance Coin also slumped to lows not seen since October. Bitcoin's climb over the past few years coincided with strong stimulus measures by the Fed. Now the question is, how will it react as the central bank pulls back on accommodation? Since its all-time high in November, Bitcoin is down about 20%. Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Renita. Turning to the pandemic now, we have a new recommendation on booster shots from the CDC. Agency advisors say vaccinated teens should now get a third dose of Pfizer's shot. And Bloomberg said Baxter has the story. The panel says it's important for 12 to 17-year-olds to get vaccinated to keep schools open. This adds 12 to 15-year-olds to the advisory already in place. Dr. Rochelle Walensky has final say, but has said that it's important to try and cut the severity of Omicron. And she says the spread of Omicron has gone up in a straight line. Based on CDC genomic sequencing, we now estimate that Omicron represents about 95% of cases in the country. Walensky says it's important for teens to get boosted. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Ed. And we continue to see the impact of Omicron on the health care system. U.S. hospitals are facing their worst staffing shortage in a year. According to Department of Health and Human Services data, about 20 percent of hospitals report critical staffing levels. That's the most since December of 2020. Meantime, tennis star Novak Djokovic is making waves off the court. His chance to play for a 10th Australian Open title is in limbo. The country denied him entry and canceled his visa because he failed to meet requirements for an exemption to COVID vaccination rules. And Scott Morrison is the Prime Minister of Australia. Rules are rules, and there are no special cases. Entry with a visa requires double vaccination or a medical exemption. I'm advised that such an exemption was not in place, and as a result, he is subject to the same rule as anyone else. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison denies any suggestion that Djokovic is being singled out. Well, the pandemic's effect on the labor markets in focus as well, Karen. We're going to get data on jobless claims plus trade and services activity this morning. Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice reports. Economists say weekly jobless claims will probably hold near half-century lows as employers fill record job openings. The labor market has scored a solid recovery since the pandemic crash of 2020. Meantime, November's trade deficit could tie a record as domestic demand rebounds. Also today, data on America's service industry should signal growth, though not as robust as November when the ISM non-manufacturing index set a record. Vinny Dow, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. Vinny, thank you. Fed policy front and center, but there's also other news on the central bank. Sources tell us President Biden could pick former Fed Governor Sarah Bloom Raskin for the central bank's top regulatory post. We get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It's a move that would please senators demanding swift action on climate change. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, who has been active on the climate issue, tweeted that a Raskin nomination as the Fed's vice chair for supervision would be, quote, good news. The Rhode Island Democrat says Raskin really gets it on climate, and Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland predicts Raskin will be easily confirmed. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Charlie. And speaking of climate, we have a new entry into the electric vehicle market. General Motors is introducing a battery-powered pickup truck. CEO Mary Barra showed off the new Chevrolet Silverado at CES in Las Vegas. Meantime, when it comes to the overall industry, Barra says the chip shortage is easing but still isn't resolved. I would say every quarter it gets a little bit better, and so we're seeing uh, a better Q1 than Q4, but we still think it's going to linger into the first half of this year, and we should be farther out of it by the end of this year, but we're not through it yet. 
GM CEO Mary Barra made those comments in an interview with Bloomberg's David West, and you can catch the full conversation at Bloomberg.com. Futures holding steady at the moment. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And it's 5.07 on Wall Street. we got an accident investigation to Jericho Turnpike by Herrick's Road in Nassau County. Details coming up shortly from Peter Van. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Americans are preparing today to mark the one-year anniversary of the Capitol riot. President Joe Biden plans to speak about unity to a politically fractured nation. Yesterday, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland spoke about the attack. Whether they were present that day or were otherwise criminally responsible for the assault on our democracy. We will follow the facts wherever they lead. Garland says more than 725 people have been arrested for their roles in the Capitol attack. The tri-state area is preparing for a new wave of winter weather. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has the latest. Michael, the National Weather Service has put a winter weather advisory in effect for the tri-state area from midnight tonight through noon tomorrow. A storm system passing south of the region will produce snow around midnight tonight. Should end by midday tomorrow. Track's still a little bit up in the air, as is the strength. So right now it looks like at least a couple of inches is possible for the tri-state area. We'll probably be refining the numbers over the next 24 hours, but I could see at least one to three inches across the city, maybe a little bit more north and west of town. Michael. Thank you, Rob. New York City Health Commissioner Dave Chotsky said the COVID data suggests the city hasn't yet hit a peak in the Omicron-fueled spike of coronavirus cases in recent weeks. Chotsky says cases are still increasing. Because we are seeing unprecedented case counts during this Omicron wave, as you know, over 30,000 cases a day uh, on the seven-day average, and we are seeing the impact in our hospitals. Dr. Chotsky encouraged New Yorkers to continue getting booster shots and wear masks. New York Governor Kathy Hochul gave her first State of the State address. Her plans put health at the top of the to-do list, including a $10 billion increase for the medical workforce. A once-in-a-lifetime pandemic demands a once-in-a-lifetime response. And that's why I'm setting an ambitious goal to grow our health care workforce by 20% over the next five years. Governor Hochul also called for investments in housing and renewable energy. The judge in Ghislaine Maxwell's sex trafficking trial asked prosecutors and defense lawyers to brief her on whether a new trial is needed over media comments made by a juror. Maxwell's lawyers told the judge that they would seek a new trial because the juror failed to disclose a possible bias against Maxwell. Global News 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshower. Good morning, Nathan. There have been a lot of questions about Kyrie Irving, like why he's refused to get the vaccine, even with the mandate in New York. There's never been any question about his ability to play basketball. So there was Kyrie last night at Indiana making his season debut for the Nets. The team had originally said they didn't want him at all. This was going to be only for games on the road. They changed their mind, and Kyrie scored 22 points in 32 minutes, held Brooklyn to a come-from-behind 129-121 victory. So nervous, uh, and, and naturally, you know, as a performer, I still get nervous. Uh, but that first shot was like, man, I wanted that to go in, and then... Um, I settled down closer to the second half, um, 
you know, once I came back out, and I just said, well, whatever's needed out there, I'm just going to do, and I know everyone's going to follow suit. Kevin Durant is always a big part of the win. KD scored 39. That's the end of the three-game losing streak. Knicks and Celtics tonight at the Garden. Start of a home-and-home. Home. They'll play Saturday in Boston. Red Hot Rangers skate tonight in Vegas. St. John's first game since December 18th. After four postponements, Red Storm finally had their Big East opener, and what a game for Julian Champagny. 34 points, 16 rebounds. St. John's beat the Paul 89-84. Syracuse lost by one at Miami. Villanova won by 34 over Creighton. Antonio Brown says he had an MRI done on his ankle, and it confirms he has an injury that prevented him from playing last Sunday. His Tampa Bay coach, Bruce Arians, wanted him to play. They argued. Brown then took off his jersey and left. MetLife Stadium. Arians then said Brown's no longer with the team, but the Bucks have still not released him. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. John, thanks. S&P futures right now up a point. Dow futures up 46. Nasdaq futures down 14 points. Ten-year Treasury yield 1.72%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather under winter weather advisory of a mix of sun and clouds today with a high near 40 degrees. One to three inches of snow possible early tomorrow. Highs in the low 30s into Saturday. Currently 39 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, seeing a little improvement in futures this morning. NASDAQ futures still lower, but trimming declines down about 13 points. S&P futures, little changed, and Dow futures are up 41 now. The DAX in Germany is down about 1%. The 10-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds, yield 1.73%. The yield on the two-year, 0.85%. NYMEX crude oil is up six tenths percent or 44 cents at $78.31 a barrel. COMEX gold down 1.7 percent on $30.90 at $17.94 an ounce. The euro 1.1318 against the dollar. British pound 1.3527 and the yen's at 115.87. And Bitcoin this morning moving lower at $42,700. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Chicago Public Schools classes are canceled again today after the teachers union and cps officials failed to reach a deal the union voted to switch to remote learning until january 18th due to COVID. but city officials maintain in-person learning remains essential to student success russia pledged to send troops to quell deadly protests in kazakhstan Police say dozens of anti-government protesters were killed by security forces and officers were killed after Kazakhstan's president ordered an operation to put down the demonstrations. Australian Open champion Novak Djokovic has been denied entry into Australia. Federal officials overruled a state vaccine exemption for the tennis star that sparked a national uproar. In the NBA, Kyrie Irving made his return as the Nets down the Pacers 129-121. The Celtics, Wizards, and Warriors all lost. Global news, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Michael, thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak on this January 6th, 2022, a year to the day of a dark moment in this country, the deadly capital insurrection one year ago today. President Biden plans to mark this anniversary with a new push for voting rights and a blistering critique 
of former President Donald Trump. For more, we're joined by Greg Vallier, Chief U.S. Policy Strategist at AGF Investments. Greg, thanks for being with us on this morning uh, as we reflect on what was a very dark day for this country. The polarization doesn't seem to have gone away over the last year. Has anything changed since January 6th? Well, regrettably, Nathan, no. I don't think a lot has changed. Uh, Trump still has tremendous support within his own party. He gets to choose who are the nominees in a lot of key races. Uh, I do think this committee investigating uh, the riot uh, may come up with some proposals like changing the electoral vote count, uh, maybe even uh, referring this to the Justice Department for prosecution. But at the same time, I I don't think that there will be dramatic changes coming out of this very ugly, ugly day. From what we understand from the White House, President Biden, when he speaks later this morning from the U.S. Capitol, is going to point the finger at former President Trump, uh, calling him singularly responsible for what happened on January 6th. What could a pivot back to focusing on former President Trump mean for this current presidency? Well, this current president is in real trouble, uh, probably going to lose the House in the fall uh, under fire for his handling of uh, a very confusing rhetoric on COVID, under fire for inflation, under fire for immigration, urban crime, you name it. So uh, the Democrats need, uh, I think, something to rally around. And there is that three-hour period, Nathan, uh, during the riot where Donald Trump apparently just watched television, uh, happily looking at the rioters, thinking that maybe there was still a chance he could retain the presidency. There's a lot of emails that would confirm that, and I think that the Democrats will will try to get those publicized. And of course, that points back to the work that's happening with the January 6th committee. You mentioned the possibility of more criminal referrals. Do you think that that really could go as far up as former President Trump himself potentially facing at least the possibility of criminal prosecution? Yes, I do. And I think that even if that doesn't happen, Nathan, there's a a tidal wave of litigation coming at Trump. Now, his specialty is delaying and delaying and delaying, and it may not affect him right away. But I think this crush of litigation is making some Republicans, not the majority, but some Republican moderates think that Trump could be more trouble than he's worth in the next couple of years. But then at the same time, as you mentioned, former President Trump does still have this hold on the Republican Party mm-hmm. as it stands now. Do you expect that to continue even with uh, the possibility of uh, potential criminal action against him? Well, he's raising a ton of money. Good story in the New York Times yesterday about his fundraising and about a big rally he plans for February 23rd at Mar-a-Lago. So he's aggressively running. And while he does, I think most Republican contenders for the presidency in 2024 are going to be frozen, unwilling to take him on. In our last minute here, Greg, we're expecting that there's going to be a lot more focus now on voting rights legislation, tying what happened on January 6th to a push for voting rights reform at the federal level. Do you see momentum for that? What could it mean for the rest of President Biden's domestic agenda, particularly the economic side? Well, frankly, I don't get uh, Chuck Schumer saying that he's going to vote on this. He doesn't have the votes. 
to change uh, to have voting reform that ironically would get filibustered so i i don't think he's going to succeed there there could be uh, a renewed effort for more fiscal spending uh, coming out of uh, the variant. And I think in the next few days, one of the intriguing stories will be whether the Democrats come up with still another bill that would spend more for, for restaurants, hotels, and maybe even include a child tax credit. Yeah, talking about the possibility of yet more uh, coronavirus-related stimulus on the business side. Greg Valliere, as always, good to have your insights, uh, particularly on a day like this. Greg Valliere is Chief U.S. Policy Strategist at AGF Investments. Uh, looking ahead to the market open, uh, starting to see a pickup in futures now with S&P futures up five points, Dow futures up 70, NASDAQ futures giving back uh, quite a few of their losses. They're down now only four points. And the 10-year Treasury yield 1.73%. Just ahead, more on the sharp market reaction to the Fed minutes and teams a step closer to Pfizer boosters as we check your top stories of the morning here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mix of sun and clouds today, the high near 40 degrees. Winter weather advisory with one to three inches of snow possible early tomorrow. Highs tomorrow and Saturday in the low 30s, currently 39. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 530 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures are mixed this morning following yesterday's tech sell-off. Ten-year yields are trading near the highest level since April after the Fed signaled a more aggressive timeline for interest rate hikes. Brian Levitt is a global strategist at Invesco. We should expect um, volatility to return to markets when we get unexpected results out of central bankers. So that tends to be where drawdowns and and volatility emerges out of unexpected policy decisions and policy uncertainty. Invesco Global Strategist Brian Levitt says he sees this sell-off as a buying opportunity. We're caught up in yesterday's sell-off, Karen, the so-called meme stocks. We get more on that side of the market from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. AMC down 11%, GameStop down 13%, and that helps send the basket of meme stocks tracked by Bloomberg to its lowest close since January 21st, when the market was swept up in the rise of retail trader-driven surges. The route dragged other retail favorites lower, including Bed Bath & Beyond and STEM Inc., which both fell about 11%. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. We're also seeing Bitcoin trading at its lowest level since December's flash crash. Right now, it's at $42,880. And here with more is Bloomberg's Renita Young. Karen, the Fed's hawkish tilt saw Bitcoin fall by about $3,500. Other cryptos like Ether and Binance Coin also slumped to lows not seen since October. The entire sector is pretty much under pressure. Bitcoin mining stocks tumbled as analysts reconsidered their outlooks after a record-breaking year. Since its all-time high in November, Bitcoin is down about 20%. 
Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thanks. On the pandemic front this morning, we have a new recommendation on booster shots from the CDC. Agency advisors now recommend vaccinated teens as young as 12 years old get a COVID-19 booster from Pfizer. And Nathan, at the same time, the impact of the Omicron variant is weighing on the healthcare system. U.S. hospitals are facing their worst staffing shortage in a year. According to Department of Health and Human Services data, about 20 percent of hospitals report critical staffing levels. And right now, NASDAQ futures are trimming their declines down about seven points now. S&P futures are up about seven and Dow futures up 82. Ten-year Treasury down 730 seconds, yield 1.73 percent. Yield on the two-year point, 85 percent. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street. We're at 39 degrees in Central Park. It's still dealing with the accident investigation in Mineola. It's got the Jericho Turnpike closed both ways at Herrick's Road. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. President Joe Biden plans a blistering critique of Donald Trump as he marks the one-year anniversary of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol with a speech that will warn of the dangers of misinformation and subverting democracy. Yesterday, Attorney General Merrick Garland spoke at the Justice Department about the riot. Those involved must be held accountable, and there is no higher priority for us at the Department of Justice. Garland held a moment of silence for the law enforcement officers who died related to the attack. New York City Health Commissioner Dr. Dave Chotsky said the COVID data suggests the city hasn't yet hit a peak in the Omicron-fueled spike of coronavirus cases in recent weeks. Chotsky says the impact of gatherings at New Year's could still fuel another uptick. Vaccinate your child. Get your booster dose. Wear a high-quality mask and look out for those who are more susceptible to severe COVID, whether an older adult or someone with a chronic condition. Dr. Chotsky says the seven-day average of positive cases rose to nearly 35% on January 2nd. New York Governor Kathy Hochul delivered her first state-of-the-state address outlining an agenda for an economic comeback from the pandemic, housing, and renewable energy. Hochul also says she will accelerate tax cuts for middle-class New Yorkers. That means more than 6 million middle-class taxpayers will get more money in their pockets sooner at a time when inflation is robbing them of any gains in income. Governor Hochul also proposed a $10 billion plan to grow the state's health care workforce by 20 percent over the next five years. Meanwhile, the governor is calling on state lawmakers to legalize the sale of to-go alcoholic drinks to keep bars and restaurants afloat. Chicago school leaders canceled classes in the nation's third largest school district for the second straight day after failing to reach an agreement with the teachers' union over remote learning and other COVID-19 safety protocols. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. That's Nathan, the unvaccinated Kyrie Irving. Not allowed to play games in New York due to the mandate, but he can play on the road. And the Nets recently changed their mind about letting him do that. So Kyrie made his season debut last night at Indiana, played 32 minutes, scored 22 points. The Nets, after a brutal first half, came back, beat the Pacers 129-121 and a three-game losing streak. There's a lot of gratitude just to you know, be present tonight with everyone, you know, and just 
go out there and have have fun doing what we love to do. Irving was asked about his thoughts on the vaccine. I know, the, I know what the consequences were. I still know what they are. Um, but right now, I'm just going to take it one day at a time, like I said, and just enjoy this time that I get to play with my guys. Kevin Durant last night, 39 points for Brooklyn. Nixon Celtics played tonight at the Garden. The Rangers are in Vegas. St. John's won its Big East opener, 89-84 over DePaul for Julian Champagny, 34 points, 16 rebounds. The previous four games for the Red Storm had been postponed due to COVID. It was their first game in two and a half weeks. Tuesday came word that Novak Djokovic, despite being unvaccinated, had been granted a medical exemption and that despite a mandate, he would be allowed to play the upcoming Australian Open, a tournament he has won nine times. So yesterday, he flew to Melbourne, but border officials say his visa did not include a proper reason for the exemption. They kept him at the airport. The latest word is that Djokovic has been allowed to stay in Australia until at least Monday as lawyers have filed a legal challenge to the visa ruling. Australia 90% vaccinated. There was pushback from those who felt Djokovic was getting preferential treatment. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. A Long Island office complex that counts Morgan Stanley and UBS Group as tenants is sold for $212 million, the biggest office deal in the area in the past decade. The Birch Group purchased two buildings at 1 and 2 Jericho Plaza from DRA Advisors and Onyx Equities, according to a statement. The National Retail Federation plans to host more than 20,000 people in person at its annual convention in New York next week, despite a surge in COVID cases. The event comes at a critical time for the industry, which is grappling with labor shortages and supply constraints. The NFL, the Jets, and the Giants have been hit with a proposed class action lawsuit by football fans. It alleges the team's use of the New York name and brand while actually playing in New Jersey is deceptive. The complaint seeks monetary damages and an order requiring the Giants and the Jets to return to New York. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thank you, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WFLA in Orlando, I'm reporting that Tide is helping astronauts do their laundry in space. I'm Steve Potiskan on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about how around Southern California it's cheaper to rent a home rather than buy. I'm Caroline Hepke on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on UK car makers who expect a 19% jump in vehicle sales this year as the chip shortage and pandemic effects fade. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KFAB in Omaha. Global food prices have declined from a near-record high at the end of last year. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting Eaton is buying Royal Power Solutions. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. In the year since the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, the government has responded better than might have been expected. Law enforcement agencies have charged at least 700 participants. Congressional investigators have interviewed hundreds of witnesses. And federal courts have resisted efforts by former President Donald Trump to deny Congress access to documents and testimony. Such progress shows the resilience of America's democratic institutions. It also underscores the need for the House Select Committee investigating the attack to quickly complete its inquiry. Its chair, Representative Benny Thompson, has said the panel only plans to release interim findings by the summer. 
That risks extending the probe deep into 2022. The committee should instead complete its work and issue an unredacted public report well ahead of the November midterm elections. The rest will be up to the voters. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures up eight points now. Dow futures up 105. NASDAQ futures lower by six points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather mix of sun and clouds today. The high near 40 degrees. Winter weather advisory with snow arriving early tomorrow. One to three inches possible tomorrow and Saturday's highs in the low 30s. Currently 39 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. NASDAQ futures are lower this morning. S&P futures are higher as investors bet the Federal Reserve's faster-than-expected policy tightening will still leave opportunities for equity gains. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up five points this morning. Dow futures up 93, and NASDAQ futures are down 26. The DAX in Germany is down eight-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down eight thirty seconds, yield 1.73 percent. Yield on the two-year, 0.86 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up one and a half percent, up a dollar eighteen at seventy-nine dollars four cents a barrel. COMEX gold down one and a quarter percent, or twenty-two dollars fifty cents at eighteen oh two sixty an ounce. The euro one point one three one six against the dollar. British pound one point three five three three, and the yen's at one fifteen point eight seven. Bitcoin at forty two thousand eight hundred fifty dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, thank you very much, Karen. President Joe Biden is planning a blistering critique of Donald Trump as he marks the one-year anniversary of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. President Biden will give a speech that will warn of the dangers of misinformation and subverting democracy. The president this morning will also call on lawmakers to pass voting rights legislation. Authorities in Kazakhstan say dozens of protesters have been killed in attacks on government buildings, and at least 12 police officers have died. Australian Open champion Novak Djokovic has been denied entry into Australia. Federal officials overruled a state vaccine exemption for the tennis star that sparked a national uproar. In the NBA, Kyrie Irving made his return as the Nets down the Pacers 129-121. The Celtics, Wizards, and Warriors all lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. It's 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. As we continue to gather reaction to the Fed Minutes, we're joined this morning by Sarah House. Senior economist at Wells Fargo. Sarah, it's good to have you with us this morning. It was very interesting to see the market reaction yesterday, particularly given the fact that we didn't see the same kind of reaction when the Fed actually sped up the taper. But uh, the release of the minutes really seems to have caught investors off guard. What did you make of it? 
So I thought we saw that the Fed was was willing to adapt more quickly to the evolving conditions that that we're seeing than certainly last cycle, but even over the past year. So there's this recognition that inflation is more persistent, but also I think they're in a much happier place with where the labor market is. And so I think that's all pointing towards uh, an earlier liftoff and, and faster pace of tightening. So you're thinking this isn't much, uh, so much a hawkish tilt as a as a real hawkish pivot then? I think we we saw that with the with the dot plot, but I think the minutes really codified what they were looking at, what they what they were seeing, and I think one thing that uh, really underscored just how much quicker this this tightening period is likely to be is is a lengthy discussion on the balance sheet runoff. So when do you think we will start to see rates take off? Do you think the March meeting is live? I think it's certainly live if you look at uh, what, what Fed officials have been saying, but also just where the where the economy is. So, you know, we're looking for the unemployment rate to hit four percent in the jobs report that we get out tomorrow. So that's well within the the range of what the Fed considers is is normal over over the long run. You know, we already have inflation, of course, running well above the Fed's target and looking like it's not going to do, to come down to resemble the Fed's target until probably at least twenty twenty three. At, at the earliest. And so I think that the Fed is is really racing to calibrate policy to to this higher inflation as well as the, this tighter labor market environment. When you say the Fed's racing, uh, are you opening up the possibility that we could see a policy mistake from the Fed? Well, I think we've seen a fairly quick recalibration of, of the situation. So I think that does mitigate the chance of, of a policy mistake. So if the Fed were to follow through on the three rate increases that's been currently sketched out in, in the dot plot, I think that would help mitigate that that chance. And I think we also have to bear in mind that the U.S. economy is, is set to moderate over this year already. And so it's going to be a, a little bit of learning learning as they go. But I think overall, um, coming out of this December meeting, they're in a much better position. And of course, it's not just about rate hikes, as we saw from the minutes particularly. It's about the balance sheet unwind. When do you think that's going to start to happen? Could it happen as rates are rising? Well, I think we certainly could see that uh, occur as rates are rising. We saw that in, in the last cycle. So they did get a few rate hikes under their belt before they started to reduce the, the balance sheet. But I think what really stuck out is not only the, the timing of that, so the, the notion that it would occur relatively soon after liftoff, but I think also the, the discussion around the pace was interesting. So the fact that the economy is in a much stronger position, that inflation is notably higher, that the balance sheet is, is much larger as a share of, of the economy, all pointed to a, a faster runoff as, as well. So it looks like there's going to be a, a lot more movement and quicker movement than what we saw in the last runoff cycle. Is it going to take policy tightening alone to get a handle on inflation, particularly given sort of the the exogenous uh, effects out there from supply chain imbalances and that sort of thing? Can policy alone do it? So it depends on on how tight we get policy, of of course. So um, perhaps with what the Fed sketched out right now, it it you know by our estimates, we we still wouldn't be seeing inflation resembling target for. 
for a while, but I think you will have help from a more organic pivot in terms of spending patterns. So where we've seen a lot of the inflationary impulse or what's really unique about the cycle is what's happening with goods inflation. I think as you see spending continue to pivot back towards services, that's going to help alleviate some of the inflation pressures that that we're seeing now. So I think they're they're going to get some help um, from uh, from from U.S. consumers on their own even before you, you think about the impact of, of higher interest rates. Thanks for this, Sarah. Good having you on with us this morning. Sarah House is Senior Economist at Wells Fargo. Karen. Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. It's time for our Bloomberg Law Report exploring legal issues in the news. And today we're looking at allegations against Andrew Cuomo. The former New York governor is no longer facing criminal charges after the Albany District Attorney said he won't pursue allegations that Cuomo groped a woman in the executive mansion more than a year ago. District attorneys in Nassau and Westchester counties also recently ended their Cuomo probes without charges. The former New York governor denies any wrongdoing but quit over the controversies, which included at least 11 allegations of sexual harassment. For more on the matter, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to former federal prosecutor Jennifer Rogers, who teaches at Columbia Law School. How significant is it that the Albany DA is dropping criminal charges against Cuomo? Well, it's a big deal because it means there will be no criminal case. You know, there was a moment there, maybe a couple of hours back when the sheriff had filed this criminal complaint. And before the Albany DA came in and said, hey, wait a minute, we weren't part of this. We're still evaluating the case when everyone thought that meant that he would be criminally charged with the groping incident. And now we know that that will not happen. So it's a really strange episode as far as law enforcement not being on the same page and the relationship between the DA and the sheriffs and who knows what happened with all of that. But it's great news for Andrew Cuomo because along with a couple of other district attorneys closing their investigations into whether he committed crimes in their districts, uh, it means that he won't be facing a criminal charge, which, you know, that that's a huge thing hanging over someone's head. You know, he's still got a lot of issues relating to all of this, including likely civil suits and the like, but not having the possibility of going to jail for that behavior, I'm sure is a big relief to him. The DA said that he finds the witness credible, but he can't prove it in a court of law. He knew from the beginning that this was going to be a he said, she said situation. So if he finds the witness credible, why not bring charges? It's a tough issue and a good question. There's a lot of space between we believe the witness and we can prove it in court using admissible evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. These are very, very challenging cases. And so I think if you're going to bring a case like this, like let's just take the main case, the one that the Albany DA just said he won't charge, the groping allegation. You have an incident, only two people were there. You have some things you can corroborate, like the fact that they worked together, they were there on the day and time in question, you know, those sorts of things. But what you don't have is the kind of evidence that makes her account vastly more believable than his account, right? The kind of thing where she ran out in a panic and people saw her freaking out and she immediately told a whole bunch of people exactly what had happened, you know, the day of. Those are the sorts of things that you don't have. And so while you might say, I believe her more than him, you know, 55%, 60%, 75%, even 80%, can you get to beyond a reasonable doubt? which is a very, very high standard, and it's that way for a reason, but it does make it very, very challenging to charge these kinds of cases. 
And that's Columbia Law Professor Jennifer Rogers speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading this show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. S&P futures are up three and a half points this morning. Dow futures up 88 and NASDAQ futures lower down about 36. Ten-year Treasury down 9.30 seconds, yield 1.73%, and the yield on the two-year, 0.86%. And IMEX crude oil is up 1.5%. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.